Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Chances are, if you've heard this epistle reading for this morning from 1 Corinthians 13, where did you hear it? Wedding. Yeah, chances are you heard it at a wedding. But surprise, the context in which Paul is writing, he's not writing to husbands and wives specifically. He's writing to a congregation, to the church in Corinth. A church in which people had extraordinary gifts. And Paul named some of them. We talked about them last week. Like speaking in tongues. Prophecy, right? Speaking about Jesus. Healing. God had blessed the Corinthians very, very richly. And Paul addresses the congregation. We talked about this last week. By letting them know that that he has blessed them. That each one of them in the congregation had a spiritual gift. That gift was empowered and poured out by the Holy Spirit, was from God himself, who distributes those gifts as he chooses. As he chooses, as God chooses. And third, that that gift is designed to be used then in the congregation for the common good, for the building up of the body of Christ, of which you are a part by virtue of your baptism. But in Corinth, the problem was that with these spectacular gifts came a bunch of um, spectacular pride, I guess you could say. Spiritual gifts had become a barometer, sort of. You're standing before God, standing within the congregation, status, importance, influence, those kind of things. And division had begun because of it, right? Because something had been lost. And that is this idea of agape love, right? Self-sacrificial love, which usually is used to describe God's love for us, not humans' love for one another. But Paul uses this agape love in 1 Corinthians 13. And I suppose it would be because of this. Without understanding God's agape love for us, Our gifts and talents become all about us and what we're doing and what we're getting, all that kind of stuff. Our shared standing as undeserving sinners redeemed by Christ alone, that gets forgotten when we forget about God's agape love for us. And all those spiritual gifts that are poured out through the Holy Spirit become a source again of pride, something that we've earned, something that we've deserved when agape love, when that is forgotten and lost. And that's a problem in the congregation, right? Because without agape love, we care too little about our neighbor to to serve in the way that we've been called with our spiritual gifts. Without agape love, when we do use our gifts, that can ring hollow because we do not have the interests of others at heart. So Paul uses this language Here's what he writes. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge and have faith to as remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all that I have, 
and deliver my body up to be burned, right, martyred. But have not love, I, I gain nothing. I think it's really good that, and I'm very glad, and I hope you are too, that Paul, under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit, spent considerable time writing about love and agape love, right? Because the way that we define it will fall way short of what agape love looks like and how it's to be exercised. So how would you define it? How would you define love? And especially agape love. Again, it's the self-sacrificial love. Dynamic love in action. Right? It's dynamic. It's active. So what does that look like? You're like, okay, give me specifics. Paul does. Paul tells us that love is patient. I love the Greek rendering for this word. It really helps put it in perspective. The Greek word, the way that it's rendered or understood, is long-suffering. Right? Love is in it for the long haul. It's easy to do it for a little bit and then just kind of get compassion fatigue and walk away and give up. Long-suffering. This not emphasizes the suffering so much, but the stamina and endurance and continuation of love for others. In spite of disappointments, frustrations, difficulties, and the like. And I submit to you that this is one of the things that has kind of, is kind of passing away, if it ever really existed um, in humans, but becoming less and less long-suffering. We don't like to suffer, so when we do, our inclination is, ah, get out. Love is also kind. I don't know how you define kind. It's kind of hard. How do you define kind? Well, you're kind, right? <laughs> it demonstrates true care, true affection, and helpfulness towards someone in need. Someone in need. Not in return for anything. Or the advantage of the helper himself, but for the one who needs the help. Out of love for them. That's being kind. And Paul not only describes what love is, he describes what it's not. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable, resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Now, I don't have time to go over each one of these, and you're like you're saying, thanks be to God for that. But I do want to go over some of these. We'll go over these individually in Bible study for a more complete view. But I did want to talk about a few of them, and, and these are the ones that maybe confuse us the most or are vague or that we misunderstand the most, so they need to be addressed. We can misinterpret what certain things in here mean. So I think one of the things that we think that we should do as Christians is just kind of live and let live and kind of not stick our nose too far into others, people's business. Uh, we don't have any business uh, intruding into others' lives. But how can that be true if love is dynamic in action? Now, I agree it's got to be gentle, but 
Remember, love is dynamic. It's active. Agape love is. So two things I want us to take note of this morning. To say that love does not insist on its own way does not mean that we should not proclaim God's truth. And a lot of times I think that's what we think it means. It actually means the opposite. It means we should. We don't insist on our own way. We insist on how God would have us love others. And how God would have us love others is yes, following the commandments, but proclaiming Jesus. It literally says love does not behave improperly. That's maybe a better way to understand it. It is concerned with what is right in the Lord's eyes. It also considers being gentle, patient, right? Long-suffering. I think a lot of times we, we think oh, we're supposed to be quiet. not supposed to offend anybody. Rejoicing at wrongdoing, but rejoicing with the truth. Love avoids the broken, fallen tendency to embrace wickedness. Those things that are against God's design, God's commands. Those things contrary to God's law and his character. You're probably aware, many of you, you don't know what TikTok is, I'm sorry. I should stop talking about it. Or other, or other social media platforms that actually have challenges that encourage people to break God's commands. Now, they don't frame it that way. But disrespecting authority, stealing, right? All kinds of things. Destroying property, you name it. They make it a game. And sadly, people see somebody else doing it, and what happens? Oh, that's funny. I'm going to do it. I try to explain to my kids at home when they laugh at that, it's not funny. God's not laughing at it. God's word says when this is presented, not rejoicing at wrongdoing, but rejoicing with the truth, it means not even to take delight or amusement in these things much less think about them or commit them, but not to take delight or amusement in it. Are you listening now? This hits us where we live. The other thing that Paul says is he talks about that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, right? Now, you might say, wow, that really leaves a wide open understanding of what love is. But it's connected with the long-suffering theme, and it's connected with these other two things that I talked about in terms of not rejoicing uh, at wrongdoing, but rejoicing with the truth and insisting on your own way. All of that. So it has to be seen in terms of those. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things through the lens of God's agape love and will for us. And that informs us. All must be understood, love must be understood in relationship to God. Otherwise, what? Oh, then we start insisting on our own way. Make love something that it's not. Love believes and hopes in God's word. 
and bears and endures the suffering that often comes from putting others first. Self-sacrificial love. It's hard to love other people sometimes. Because they're fallen. They're broken. They're sinners. They're impatient. They're angry. They're ungrateful. They're hostile. And a lot of that comes as we serve them in resp- and that comes in response to service that we give. Right? We are not left, however, without a demonstration of love among us, perfect agape love. In all the ways that Paul describes, God provides that for us, for you, for me, in the person of His Son, Jesus. In fact, I tell this at weddings too, a good way to read the text is to fill in all the love, everywhere where it says love, and replace it, and put in Jesus. So let me do that for you. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on His own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus is God's expression of agape love for you and for me. Let's go over some of these things. Think of it. Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus not only rejoices with the truth, Jesus says, I am (laughs) the truth. In our gospel lesson for today, did you catch it when he's talking to Pilate and Jesus gives the reason for his birth? For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Not the TikTok voice, not the voice that says, well, this is what I think. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice voice. Jesus does not lie or get it half right. Think of it. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. He isn't jealous. Out of love, he came to serve, not to be served, to give his life as a ransom for many, as a ransom for you. Right? Remember when we talked about insisting on our own way? Jesus doesn't do that either. In John 12, here's what he proclaims, and he proclaims it clearly. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, and to say what to speak. And I know his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore I say as the Father has told me. Not insisting on his own way which would be congruent with the Father anyway. Think of it. Jesus isn't arrogant or rude. He invites the burden to come to Him, right? Those burdened by sin and guilt and shame, come to Me! All who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is is light, not arrogant or rude. Think of it, Jesus is kind. 
sets the example of providing for us undeserving sinners. For his sake, we receive all that we need for this body and life. We receive all that we need for eternal life. We receive all that we need for our faith life. God has invested a lot of time and love in showing his kindness toward you. Jesus is patient, long-suffering, remains slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Jesus was long-suffering. Three years with the disciples who often misunderstood him. He was long-suffering with those who crucified him, asking God to forgive them for what they do. Long-suffering. All those things that Paul describes, all those things that love truly is, Jesus is for you and for me. And when you look at this and you say, man, I can't even do agape love in my marriage. How am I going to do it in the congregation? I know. It's a problem. We cannot match Christ's agape love for us. And we can't manufacture it. We can't create it. We can't take a master class on it. It has to be poured out on us by the Holy Spirit, sustained by Him, who works these things in us through the gospel message. Last week, I I mentioned this again. I'm sorry to use the same illustration, but Martin Luther said that when we come to the divine service, we come with an empty sack. And God fills that up with grace and mercy and forgiveness and And all these things, not just for us, but for others. We have a list of three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, Paul says. Why does he say that? Many of the spiritual gifts that Paul lists that people are so proud of in Corinth are going to pass on. Prophecies. Not going to need prophecies forever. Tongues, not going to need it forever. They will cease. Knowledge, not going to need it forever. Right now we have those things in part. They're useful. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Love is the greatest. Faith, hope, and love. Why? Because love endures. Right now we live by faith. We don't live by sight. We don't experience God in His complete fullness, but we will. We will behold Him. We will live by sight, not by faith. And when this happens, faith will no longer be needed. Right now we live in hope. We look forward and believe in God's promises. We believe those things that He's done, but look forward to to the things yet to come. Eventually, our hope will give way to realization. It will happen. Hope will pass away. But love, it endures forever. God's love endures forever. It never ceases. It abides and exists throughout eternity. It's always been there for you. And when that happens, we only get a glimpse of it now. We only know and can can conceive of it partially. But we'll know. One day we will fully know God just as He fully knows us. 
And not only in, on that day will we live in God's perfect love for us, but we will live in love for one another. Selfless, agape love. It's almost too much to, to, to think about. Where we will love people that way. Everyone that way. Not just our kids, not just our wives, not just our husbands, but everyone with agape, self-sacrificial love. In righteousness, innocence, blessedness, and purity forever. Us living in love. Do not despair that you cannot love like God loves at this point. Repent. Repent. Because by God's will and working in us, we live in God's agape love now. We have it. But we can also live in that agape love for neighbor. Never scared that we are no longer a part of the body of Christ because we fail or fall short. But because of God's agape love for us, we are justified, that is, saved. By God's love for us in Christ, we are sanctified, that is, given His Holy Spirit to exercise our agape love in Christ. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these three, especially in our vocation as members of a congregation, is love. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding Guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.